Linux Out Loud is frying up our mics, connecting those headphones as we search the community for themes to expound upon. We keep the banter friendly, the conversation somewhat on topic, and we have fun doing it. This week, we are spouting off about all the things Matt doesn't care about. So let's get into episode 73. With me today, there is no Matt, so it'll be a great show because I have the only good co-host, Wendy. How are you doing, Wendy? Well, thank you. I'm doing pretty <laughs> gosh darn good today. Well, fantastic. How's the weather there on your side of the uh, continent? It's actually still pretty good. We're fairly warm usually through September. It is starting to cool off a bit. Our nights in particular getting colder. Mm -hmm. I live in a high mountain desert, so we've got major temperature swings between day and night. So nights are definitely dipping into the cooler parts. And I'm looking forward to the end of September, beginning October. That's when it's really nice and enjoyable. So weather's good. That's I don't good. know about where you are. Well, normally August is, you know, pretty warm. We had like a, a hot spell and then all of a sudden like dropped down into like the 60s and got down even to the 40s like last night. Yeah. We had like a week <laughs> of summer basically this year. And then we jumped right into uh, late fall, even with the rain too. Kind of crazy, but it looks like uh, summer is coming back for a little bit and then we'll probably die out. But yeah, it just got cold real quick and I don't like the cold. You live up north where there's high humidity. So cold is not just kind of cold. It's like bone chilling cold. Yeah, it's like to the bone cold. Yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. Speaking of bone chilling cold, apparently your 3D printer is no longer bone chilling cold on the heat bed. Yes, I finally got it fixed. So I can't remember exactly what I said last time we were talking about it other than I was getting some prints done without the heat bed adding that extra brim to make sure that everything was sticking properly after that was done i figured it was time to go ahead and mess with it and i realized that on my bed there are some little fuses there's two little fuses on the bed and i'm like oh on my the bed gosh. itself or not on the bed but on my main board oh okay. that everything yep. plugs into so I was like, oh my gosh, it's got to be a fuse. That's got to be what's wrong. And I couldn't find any locally. It's a really weird little fuse. And on top of it, they had to be a 15 amp fuse. It's like this itty bitty little grain of rice, tiny hmm. fuse, just super small. Very small. I ordered them and they got here. And when they showed up, I was super excited. They showed up. I was on the phone with my dad. I replaced the fuse, jumped into fluid and it didn't work. Like my bed's not heating up. I'm like, holy crap, it wasn't the fuse. And I'm starting to freak out, you know, what's going on here? What's the problem? And I just didn't have time to go mess with it. And it was probably the following weekend that I told my husband, I'm like, all right, let's start testing it, seeing what's going on. If you'll go put the probes on it, I will go fire up fluid and tell it to heat and we'll see what happens. I'm worried because I'm telling it to run and I'm not seeing the numbers jump up like they're supposed to. And he goes, wait a minute, I'm seeing power coming in. Are all your wires connected? Of course all my... No, they're not. The <laughs> wires that come out of my main board and the wires that come to my hotbed are not connected. You know what? You connect that wire and it fixes the problem. This fuse was bad. 
it actually was bad tested the fuse and the fuse was bad but when we were doing our initial troubleshooting i had disconnected the bed and then never reconnected it after Hmm. i'd installed the new fuse so the bed is working just fine i actually haven't done any prints on it yet because i want to stabilize the z-axis screws they're not Mm -hmm. too bad during regular prints but it's when that print is over and it's on its way down you get that high pitch squeal that's really really annoying so i have some stabilizers printed for it i just have to get the right ball bearings to stick in there and then it'll be good to go and we shouldn't have to deal with the squeal anymore. So the ball bearings went bad on it already? Or is it just some bum ball bearings that you had? No, it has nothing to do with the ball bearings at all. So the way the Z-axis screws are on my bed, there's nothing mm-hmm. really on top. So oh, okay. as it moves down, they can wobble and wiggle. Oh, got so it. I've used some PETG to print some kind of base plates. And inside mm-hmm. those base plates, you put some ball bearings. So it's got oh, okay. an easier way to turn and that stabilizes them at the top. So okay. they don't have as much movement and then you don't get that horrible screech. My bed's as level as you can get it. Um, I actually used a level on it to make sure that I was at the appropriate height. So it wasn't an offset that was causing mm-hmm. the screech. It is the wobble or a little tweak in one of right. those screws. Once I get those ball bearings found and inside of it, then we should be good to go without any screeching. That'll be nice, I'm sure. (laughs) I'm looking forward to it, especially when a print ends at two o'clock in the morning and it wakes you up because it's right right outside our bedroom door. That's not so much fun. I know you'd mentioned that the weather is getting colder, but does that mean you're already looking into getting your Christmas lights back up? Hold on. I mean, I am one of those people that will go for a pumpkin latte any time of year, but I'm already (laughs) mad that halloween stuff is going out but you're working on christmas lights well i am so <laughs> i this is true i am working on my christmas lights as of uh two or three days ago i started working on them mm. and now there's a very valid reason as to why though too what had happened was i started having problems with the lights like back in may i shut the whole thing down because like the lights like doing like these really weird things like flashing and flickering it looked like if you can imagine like if my house were an lcd screen and you punched it and then it had like all those weird colors that's essentially what it was doing i didn't want my house to look like it was a punched lcd screen so i shut it all down i tried turning on a couple times and i have those problems just to check it out well i decided that i was going to back up here so i determined that I was, I'm going to replace some of the lights on the upper part of the roof because those are the ones that look like they were all weird. 370 some lights that I was intending on replacing. I did the only sensible thing and I bought 5,000 more because, you know, that's the reasonable number, I think. Do we need to make another Clark Griswold reference? We might have to. He is my spirit <laughs> animal. I went to uh, investigate it and I turned on the lights on and turned the system on and let it, you know, boot up and do whatever it had to do, do updates on it. And I noticed that the lower portion of lights were all out. I'm like, well, that's weird. So I cracked open the box, got a new string out. Like, well, I'm going to test, make sure that the power and data is actually getting outside like it should. I started testing at all the different points. And like, well, that means, you know, I came to the conclusion at that point that the cable that goes from where it exits my home to the first string, there's something wrong with that. So I, I, I went up there, tested it, nothing. So I pulled that down. And rather than try and like find where the break is, I just removed the ends and then I soldered a new, uh, basically made a new cable for it, new data cable. Plug that in, and then magically everything worked. 
there was no problem with the other lights I thought I had to replace. So everything's working. So that means I got 5,000 bonus lights now for this year. And so I'm really excited about that. I have a house, you know, uh, red, white, and blue. Memorial Day is coming up. So red, white, and blue is kind of what I've done during the summer anyway. And and that's what it's doing right now. Just just every fourth light has a light on and then it just kind of shifts. Red, white, blue, red, white, blue. And you know, it looks nice. And I had to do a little twinkle, a little sparkle thing going on right now. So I decided like I put a fence in early this year and I want to, similar to what I did on my previous home, I want to light up my fence. And I do have like those like solar lights on top of all the ends because I need to protect the ends anyway from weather. And then I thought, well, you know, make them light up because that's just what I would do anyway. Uh, anyway, I decided instead of doing like I did in the old house and put like little nails and then try and fish the, the wires on it, you know, like I did previously, I decided, and I don't have it here, it's at the 3D printer, but I made a clip that's just big enough to slip over the top of the fence, you know, the dog ear of the fence, and then just big enough where I can slip the pixel lights right in there. And so it'll hold it exactly how I want. So the lights will be, you know, sticking straight out. Nice. I print it off and then the variation in thickness of dog ear is as such that I need a, a more flexible design for my clip. So I'm in the process of redesigning that. I want to be able to have the lights just nicely all along the fence line, you know, kind of follow the fence line down. So I have to do another design iteration on that. Just, I'm just going to basically make it so it just kind of curves in and then just wide at the top. So that when it's, the clip is on top of the uh, fence, it's not just splayed out because that just won't work for anybody. I just have to finish repairing the lights. So around the two windows in the front, one of the windows, it like started, it was like flickering. I figured out where it was and I basically cut out the bad light, this guy here, which was flickering and then causing everything else down line to basically not work, installed this. But now this one's still flickering. So maybe I got the wrong light, but I don't think so because I counted it. So I'm going to replace this one as well. And then I'll test it again. But anyway, I feel like maybe I should just, just do a whole section. I don't know. It doesn't take me that long. I'm actually getting pretty good at soldering these, uh, these joints together. So there's three lines. There's ground, voltage positive, and data. I just solder together and then I put like um, shrink tubing on there. Then I use my rework station to basically put that all together. Try and get that today. Try and get that part working again. But then after that, I want to build a new pixel tree. So I had a pixel tree last year for my display. I did a candy cane lane was the only one that I actually published, but I redid them all. And it was just a flat pixel tree because I just wanted something. I want a round one. Like, so it actually looks like a cone, you know. Yeah. I got to build something a little better this time. I've got to start planning like my set of things. The reason I'm starting now is because I'm going to order some parts and pieces and, and more prop type things. So one of the things is I want to include the barn that's adjacent my house, although slightly the front of the barn is about where the back of my house is roughly. So it'll be a little bit back. And then I have like the area in front of that, that I can do sets and things and whatnot. I don't really have like sets and things right now, but I can probably dig something up. You know, it's, if I start early enough, I can do it. So I have to build another like controller board for the inside of the barn. My goal is to actually have all my buildings lit up essentially. And, and cool. so I just want to move on to the next one. So that's nice and kind of matches the house and that's where I'm at right now. But but right now it's kind of in the, I'm going to start like drawing out, sketching just some ideas as to how I want things, you know, some bigger candy canes, you know, like did the candy cane lane song and like I wanted the candy canes big big part of that, but they, they really didn't have enough something to it. It was missing something. It was missing something, yeah. <laughs> so my first question is what have you printed those clips out of? ABS. Okay. And that's going to be all right with the weather, even when it's cold, or do you think they still might snap? I'm making them at uh, three millimeters in thickness. Okay. It'll be pretty beefy and a 20% infill. That shouldn't be pretty a problem Pretty good all, all the way around. Yeah. yeah. I'm just doing black. Actually, they're like a really, really dark gray, but I'm going to print a lot of them. So about every couple of dog years, basically. So yeah. So like an eight inch spacing, maybe. 
between them. So keep it really nice and solid. So even right. if the wind comes up or whatever, there's right. plenty of attachment points that it's not going anywhere. And it makes sense for you to be starting this early on a project that big because really you have a lot in that list of plans. So it's yep. going to take a bit to do. I can't wait to see what that looks like this year. We watch your videos every single year when you put out what you've done for your house for the year. And I'm pretty excited to see where this ends up going. It's fun. It's kind of like the different aspects of my nerdiness all kind of coming together at once. Obviously, I, I like Linux and computers because if this is proprietary right. software, I would have zero interest in it. What application are you using again? I can't remember what it's called. So the controller software on the controller device, it's Falcon Player or FPP. It used to be Falcon Pi Player, but now it's broadened out. So it's Falcon Player. And that runs on a BeagleBone Black because it has more IO. And there's a cape, as they're called, on top of that. Instead of a hat, it has a cape. That controls all the lights. And then to program the lights, I use the software called X-Lights. And that can actually be used to control the lights as well. But that's not how I want to do it. I want a separate controller. I don't want to use a PC for it. I want to use some just a control I can upload things to and then, you know, let it go. I added a sound component to it. The BeagleBone doesn't actually have a built-in audio device. So I added an audio device to it and it's headless because it's, right. well, actually, I guess technically it's display is my house. So, you know, <laughs> oh, the one thing I do want to add, and I didn't actually put this in the notes, but I just thought about it. So between the two windows in the front of my house, I'm not sure if it's going to happen yet because I haven't even sized things out, but I want to build like a pixel screen. So it's like a whole, oh. so I can actually... So we'll see. I, I don't know exactly if, how I want to do that yet because I, I don't know how dense and I got to figure all that stuff out. Yeah. I can do a little bit more with it. And then there's going to be a lot of learning of the software to make all this really work. So that's a lot of the reason I want to start now and then kind of put things in place. But kind of in my mind, I'm thinking already, I want to get at least four more of those snowflakes so I can put them on the front of the barn. Right. But I want the bigger ones. So I might like do too small and too big on my house and then too small and too big on the barn, you know, kind of change it up a little bit. Little things like that. And I think it's going to work out. I do have a lot of trees, like big old trees, not like lots of trees, but not dense populated trees, but large trees. So I want to incorporate them somehow. So I'll probably put things on them. I don't want to wrap the trees because I don't want to buy that many lights. Right. So probably put things on them. I just haven't like figured it out. This is kind of a call out to if people have any suggestions or ideas, throw them my direction. I would love to implement some of that. I only like to do high energy songs. I, my brother asked if I did anything like slower or whatever. I'm like, mm. no, see, I have to enjoy it. And it's, it's got to be something like, to me, it's like Upbeat a fireworks fast display. Paced yeah. And, yeah. yeah. The song that I think I'm going to add this year is from, I think, Santa Claus 3. It's very late 90s, early 2000s pop. And I really <laughs> like that. And uh, it's very high energy and I, I enjoy that. And I'm, that's what I'm probably going to do. And But if you have any other song suggestions too, I might consider doing that. They take a long time to do. It's like eight to 12 hours. But if I'm adding more features and sets that's going to increase it quite wow. a bit when you are inside the software because i've never actually played with this i'm kind of curious how this works are you able to import the song and see the beat and so yep. with mm -hmm. this beat we're tuning it to this light so you've got to with each beat on a however long song individually yep. map those lights it's actually a lot like video editing oh wow you know we have tracks and <laughs> video editing but in this case the tracks are segments that you've defined so okay this part of my roof one side of the roof the other angle of the roof those are each segments and then each snowflake is a segment for that so it's a really big sequence thing and those segments can be as big or small as you like. Are you configuring those segments yourself or are they individual strings? One string can be many segments. It's just like for me to build it in the software, I have a segment for like each part of the peak and then the, the sides of the house. And then and this yeah. way just makes it easy to count and then put them in because you have to know exactly how many lights are in each segment. So I know exactly how many lights are on the house. <laughs> 
<laughs> because you've mapped it all out and it is included in the software as you're yep. going through that whole yes. process. It's actually That's a crazy. 3D model too to make it that much more. It's easier to lay it out three-dimensionally. That makes sense. The entire house around is, it's not just the front of the house, but it's the entire surround of the house. So Can, so you're building that 3D model inside of that software X-Lights. that you're mapping it out. Holy Correct. cow, that is mm-hmm. really cool. It is. And it's fun. It's like the joining of all my nerdy things, you know, building stuff, <laughs> programming things putting some music in there and then seeing it at the end. It's all quite enjoyable. Yeah, I can't wait to see this year's display and maybe you'll have some fun orange colors up for Halloween. Oh yeah, we're going to do uh, the orange and purple for Halloween. So Perfect. basically I got to make sure I want to get the barn and the house done basically by October 1st. Gotcha. I need another Beagle in Black. I got to fix my controller. That's kind of a pinch because from the date of recording, you've got about a month in order to get that done. This is my first controller here. I don't know if you can see, but I kind of sort of burnt it up a little bit. Ooh, you released the magical black smoke? Yes, but it didn't damage the board <laughs> itself, just the terminal. So I got to move oh, okay. out of the new terminal. And then I changed completely how I powered everything so that I bypassed the controller for the power piece of it and just did the data out of here. So no volt positive, just ground and data out of here. And then the power was supplied by the power supply is totally separate. Although you can do the power in this, I just decided to totally bypass it. So that'll be for the barn. I'll fix that up, get another Beagle Bone Black and then put it inside the barn. It'll be uh, specifically just for that. And then this will be like a a slave controller to the one in the house. So it will over Wi-Fi basically coordinate. That means I'll have to do a slight, a uh, little bit of work on my wireless infrastructure as well. So there's that. So by October 1st, I'm hoping to have all this, at least the front of the barn going. No snowflakes. And a massive cubicle Nate post with all of the fun stuff that you're doing. Yes. I got to make sure I, I document everything. Yeah, that'd be cool. I have a lot of like articles in the works and a lot of like videos partially done. I just haven't finished mm-hmm. them. I need to like sit down and do something, some of those. But yeah, I got... A lot of nonsense I've done just not been published because busy. Yeah, life is super busy. I know you've been really, really busy at work. I wish I could say that mine is slow and low key, but we're nowhere near that. <laughs> yeah, I get it. So we've talked about keyboards before. You're, you're kind of mechanical keyboard sort. That's your bag. And I also prefer the mechanical keyboard. So on my desktop here, my Commodore 64 imposter, I love that it's a mechanical keyboard. It is kind of loud. I do have to mute when I type because it is that obnoxious, but it feels so good to type on the cherry blues, I think is what they are. Just the sensorial feedback, I think is just great. And one of the things that I've noticed is like, it seems to be like a, almost a downward slide of laptop keyboards. I don't know how many laptops you've had, but like about 10 years plus ago, Dell on their latitudes had just fantastic. They're very smooth keyboards and they're still rubber dome, but they were smooth, had nice travel, and just it felt really good to type on mm-hmm. for a laptop. And I got some other laptops in there. Like I had a ZBook from HP. It was just absolutely terrible. I had a, like a Lenovo that was, it was okay. When I got this new job, the IT fellow that was there, I'm now his boss. He asked what kind of computer I wanted. And I wanted a Lenovo. And I got this Lenovo. And I'm just extremely just disappointed with the keyboard. It's just terrible. Like if I type on it, it doesn't necessarily always register the keys. And maybe I just got a bum oh. keyboard. I don't know what it is, but but it was a lot like the Z book that I had where I have to pound on the keys to make them type. So then your hands start to hurt because you're overpressing on the keys. Is there yeah. like a wobble to the key as well? Does it feel cheap no. in that way? Well, it does feel like it was built on a Monday or maybe mm. on a Friday during playoffs. I don't know. 
there's something about it it just doesn't have the right feel obviously the computer it was a machine that built it but there wasn't a human that was involved in it at all but maybe the machine was watching playoffs i don't know it's such a terrible experience just that that keyboard i was just really disappointed with it everything about it just the size and position of the arrow keys also were just a little mm-hmm. underwhelming so like my fingers would just not hit them correctly they're just really terribly thought out it's like it was designed for some of little hands and i have big gotcha. sausage fingers so it didn't work out anyway it's a it's a fine computer otherwise except the keyboard oh and also it seems really slow like the way it handles windows 11 it's really terrible and then i'm the <laughs> it manager and i haven't dealt with it so it's on me anyway so overall i've just been like largely just disappointed with keyboards in general on laptops it's just been really disappointing actually so that the hp elite book i have that's been okay but like the keys fall off on it like i have had I've had right. problems with the keys just like falling apart the reason i bought the framework was because it's going to be such an issue replacing that keyboard. I don't want to do without a laptop. Still haven't fixed it. I, I think I talked about it like three months ago and I haven't done it yet, but I have the keyboard in here ready to do that. I just, I'd rather work on Christmas lights. What gave me a sense of hope is the framework has that a similar kind of feel to the Dells of old, as far as the mm. key travel, the consistency in the feel, the very smooth feel. And so I was thinking maybe there is a glimmer of hope in the building of keyboards for laptops. Like maybe there's some kind of a pushback on, you know, everything that Apple basically messed up for the entire industry. There was a surface I've been using at work a little bit because mm. the Lenovo is such a terrible machine. So I'm trying to censor myself a little bit there. I was impressed the default keyboard, the stock keyboard for the Surface, for the Surface like tablet thing. Yeah, I've got one around here somewhere. Yeah, I know you have one of those. That's why I'm bringing it up. But I was actually impressed by how nice that keyboard is. Like it was just way better than I expected. It's another like feather in the hat of maybe... The entire industry hasn't been just totally sloshed by the Apple style keyboard. It hasn't fallen apart, but I, I mean, it was somebody right. else's computer they turned because they didn't like it. So I've been using that just a little bit and I thought it was, it was really good. I don't know, like for you, so obviously you have the Surface. Do you enjoy typing on the Surface? I actually don't mind typing on the Surface. It's not my favorite keyboard. This is the Surface keyboard that I have. And mm-hmm. then the one on my husband's is more solid. But as far as like key feel and travel, it's not horrible. It's not my favorite typing experience. I wouldn't want to type out long form stuff, but I love it way better than to type on a touchscreen, which is part of the reason why I have this keyboard right here. So this goes on my tablet and this one's made by Samsung and it has a pretty similar feel to this is the sixth Microsoft sixth generation, I think is what it is. So the feel is pretty similar. There's really not a whole lot of wobble in the keys. And even those if they're really thin, they feel pretty solid. Mm-hmm. And so typing on them isn't horrible. Like I said, it's not my favorite typing experience, but on the go, these are actually pretty nice. And it's been quite a while since I've played with any of the new laptops. And if I'm buying laptops. So I know we're looking at one for my daughter that we haven't went to do the touch and feel option. I do like to feel the keyboards. I want to know what that's like because I don't want wobbly keys. I don't want that feel of as I'm pressing on it, the keys got that wobble back and forth. I don't want flex in that keyboard. I want it to feel really nice and solid. And that's part of the reason why I went with mechanical keyboards And they don't even have to be the most expensive ones, but typically they're built more solid. They don't have that Mm -hmm. flex. I also currently have blue keys in both the keyboard here at my main computer 
and the keyboard out there on the kitchen system. The living room computer has an old Logitech membrane keyboard, but it's Bluetooth right now and they're really not using the keyboard a whole lot. When I get a desk pulled off to the side and a different monitor for it, then it will also get a mechanical keyboard. And I have to say that I do love a tactile switch. I'm not a huge fan of the linear switches. I like the feedback. I like knowing that the switch has been actuated through mm -hmm. the sound, through the tactile feel. So that's definitely where I am there. And even when I am messing with laptops, other than like these Surface devices, I like the larger laptops because not only do they have larger screens, but they also have larger keyboards. And I wouldn't say my hands are large by any means, but it does give this really great flexibility. A friend of mine who lives almost on the other side of the world, we've been talking about keyboards recently too, and he likes the itty bitty one. So still mechanical, but like the 60% keyboards. And I have no idea how anybody loves a 60% keyboard because I want my numpad. I want my media keys. Like I want it all when it comes to keyboards. So I think in general, as long as it's well built, I'm good to type on it. But keyboards are kind of like Linux distros and everybody has their own flavor, <laughs> which they enjoy. <laughs> So it's funny you say that about laptops and keyboards. When I have a laptop, I want the laptop smaller for portability. Mm. And I don't like a built-in number pad. That's actually something I do not like. Because if I build a number pad and I got the laptop on my lap, my hands are offset one direction when I'm typing to be centered on the screen. Either I got to center my head on the screen or I center my keyboard on my lap. And I can't do that or my OCD doesn't kick in when I'm trying to type. So I don't actually like the bigger laptops or unless they don't have a number pad. So like the Framework 16, that would be a good one because they could have the keyboard centered and then, you know, not fillers on the side. And I'd be good with that. But then you don't have a number pad. And yeah, I think my daughter's laptop, the one that we're ready to take out in the middle of nowhere and drop. Yes. Yeah, that that's kind of a nice one. Um, yeah, I just that keep, one I just keep a number pad number on pad. the side. And that's what you use for the laptop on your yeah. regular keyboard. I know you've got the Commodore Imposter. Does that have a numpad? It does not. So if I need one, then I just pull out this little guy here, plug it in and go. But very rarely do I need, I don't do a whole lot when it comes to like number crunching spreadsheets here. This is more like video gotcha. editing, things like that. And I don't need a number pad for that. It's more the la doing the work on the laptop that I would do spreadsheets and that sounds weird because like this would be a great screen for spreadsheets. <laughs> that would be a great screen to do but, it yeah, yeah I mean, that's just the perfect setup i just don't ever do it out here so um, probably because you'd rather take that into the house you've got it at the kitchen table messing with this right. stirring dinner back and forth between the two able to multitask a little bit better than in cubicle right. labs where you're a little sequestered away yeah. from everybody else out there yeah, out here it's more like designing stuff or again like video editing or um right. or doing any like work that's not necessarily admin work. Except for I, I do use Scrooge, the um money manager application. I do use yeah. that on here sometimes, but that's very rare. But again, I, I still prefer the laptop for that. The moral of all that from my perspective is I think there is hope for laptop keyboards. I think that there's I think some manufacturers are starting to care about that. And I hope that continues because um it's been really disappointing, honestly, with the durability and the, the feel and everything has just been really, really unfortunate. And also, although it's not as big of an issue now, but like 
if a keyboard flexes, I'm not happy. I don't like right. the keyboard to move when I'm typing on it. Yeah, no flex. That is a sign of a very cheaply made keyboard that isn't going to last. And that's probably another reason why I don't like that key wobble if you go to press down on it, because then you know that at some point it's going to be hit wrong multiple times having that wobble and then the key pops off and breaks. Yep, exactly. And then you have to contact HP and say, hey, can you fix my <laughs> keyboard? And like, hey, can you do it? I'm like, yeah, I probably can, which I shouldn't have said. But anyway, and there we go. <laughs> and there we go. I'm curious if there are any of you out there who have actually been actively looking at laptops going into your local stores getting a feel for the keyboards. Are there any out there that look promising other than the framework? And I think the framework is probably on the better side of keyboards because it's made for people who enjoy the hardware, who want to be able to update that piece of hardware and keep it for a long period of time. So I'm not surprised that their keyboard is good, but there's got to be some other laptops out there that have a nice solid keyboard. And also I'm curious to know like, what do people look for in a laptop keyboard? Mm. Is it travel? They want a specific amount of travel. Is it how the key lands at the end? I'm curious to know like what people enjoy there as well. Well, Wendy, you are doing Linux Out Loud on video now. You're video editing Linux Out Loud, which has made the process a lot more complex for you. How have you solved this? I have solved this by going with DaVinci Resolve. And I know this is a piece of proprietary software, but it is a piece of proprietary software that does run on Linux. They have specific packages that you can download and install for it. Now, it is made a little bit more difficult because I am running an AMD GPU and DaVinci Resolve really, really loves the NVIDIA stuff. So I am currently running that all on Garuda. Yes, back on an arch base. I was having some fun playing with Fedora, but Garuda is where I seem to be making it all work. I could do Manjaro, but when I was in the process of trying to get this installed, it seemed like the AUR version of DaVinci wouldn't install. Garuda has one in the chaotic AUR that did install just fine. And then after I run the update from the official one, everything is running perfectly. So it was kind of a multi-step, I think, actually pulling it in from the chaotic AUR. There must have been missing something from their regular install that that automatically pulled in. And I'd like to go figure out what that is and be able to share with anybody else but why am I choosing a proprietary piece of software over this? Well, one, it hands down kicks the butt of every single other video editor out there. And I'm talking whether they're open source ones or paid ones. It has amazing color grading, though I didn't actually use that on our episode. And there are a few things that I'm going to change. And the feedback that I've gotten from it kind of confirms that that, that wider outside was just a little bit too bright, but it gives me the flexibility of to do that camera switching that you saw in the episode before really, really fluidly. And I'm going to start pulling in other fun features inside the visuals of this. And DaVinci lets me do that. Now, there is this really, really cool project going on for DaVinci. 
And this is called Reactor. It is made by the We Suck Less crew. <laughs> yes, that is their name. Pretty awesome. This is a free and open source package manager for Fusion plugins for DaVinci Resolve. And there are a That's ton cool. of them. It's kind of overwhelming after I got it installed, all of the different plugins that are in there. And you need to go do some deep dive, some more research into everything that's in there. But it works so incredibly well, so fluidly that I was able to get episode 72 uploaded and then even got a shortcut. And there's going to be more of those dropping on the YouTube channel. We are on Odyssey as well. And I was thinking about adding Rumble for people who don't want YouTube having a couple different options where they can watch the show now, actually watch it. Because when we were a mostly podcast oriented, when the show was pretty much audio only, and then there was the waveform for video, I didn't see the value in putting it as many visual places. But now that the show is visual, I would like to get it dropped as many places. And I know that people don't oh, like sure. YouTube. I'm not a huge fan of some of the things that YouTube has done. So being able to spread that out in different places so you can watch it wherever you want. The downside of Odyssey is right now those videos are being automatically pulled into it. And so the short there, yeah, you still get it as a short and it's got this kind of gray background. It doesn't show up in the shorts, but there will be plenty more of those. I'm trying to figure out content wise exactly what to put in them so i'll be playing with them over the next little bit to try to find out what's the sweet spot what kind of things do you like to see in those if you don't watch shorts don't worry about it the long form content is here to stay the show will always be in a long form of content form but it's nice to have those little snippets out there for just a quick little laugh or soundbite Little fun, yeah, sound bite. Fun little bit, mm -hmm. yeah. I'm kind of annoyed by shorts, but sometimes I watch shorts. I'm not sure like what my problem is, but like sometimes it's, it's fun just to do, oh, short, that's a funny short. Oh, that's a funny short. But then when I have like the shorts in my feed for like subscriptions, I don't like uh -huh. that. I, I wish those were segregated somewhere else. Yeah, that would be kind of nice. And I don't really get sucked in them too often. The kids were watching shorts last night. There was a comedian that had a bunch of shorts that were perfect for that. So he was actually mm -hmm. taking somebody else's audio and then recreating in video and still staying within that 60 seconds. And they were a whole bunch of fun. So I don't know exactly what the shorts will initially look like for LOL, except for the one that's actually currently out. And by the time this drops, there will probably be maybe two or three more um, because we are recording on August 31st. But this show won't actually drop until September 13th. I know that's a really, really big gap. But my goal is in the editing to put a lot more fun stuff in here. Being able to show you if I haven't already along the lines. Have the web pages pulled up where it's showing things that we're talking about and all of that fun stuff. I'm going down more the Michael road when it comes to the video editing. How many elements can I throw in there? How fun yeah. can I make it? I actually did a video for the team today. I talked about before they're working in LeoCAD and I forgot to take my file with me when we met Friday last week. So what that would have been 
Friday the 25th. I forgot to take that Leo CAD file with me where I was showing the submodels and how that all goes together. And we have some kids that have like most of a robot put together and they didn't put any of the steps in. So you've got all of your parts under step one instead of being broke out. So then you can create your instructions, your build instructions. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, I walked them through that a little bit in LeoCAD, but without my files, I want to take my files and really show them how they can export and import those different submodels into things because that's going to be super, super valuable as they're moving on with that build process. So inside of OBS, I filmed all of that instruction and then pulled it into DaVinci Resolve and using a plugin, I was able to zoom in on parts of LeoCAD as I was talking about it. So mm -hmm. submodels are over here. This is what they are in your upper menu. This is what you click on and being able to highlight, bring that forward because complaints I've had before from the kids, which I had to tell them, don't watch coding videos on phones. <laughs> Those screens are way too small. Please go find a laptop or a computer or something. Right. Um, but that, you could cast it, I suppose. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, not only do you need to watch these on a larger screen, but sometimes they were a little confused at exactly what they were supposed to be looking at. So with mm -hmm. this tool, I'm able to really focus in on those things and do it relatively quickly and it ends up with a nice flow with the kids understand what we're doing and what we're looking at maybe i will share that i keep most of the videos for the team on an unlisted side of things not because the content is bad but really because it's directly intended for them so when i'm talking about it. I know you've been doing this, so let's focus on this, not kind of a general mm -hmm. LeoCAD tutorial. Maybe I can do one, not that I am anywhere near a pro at LeoCAD, but it's kind of fun. I've actually found some enjoyment in editing video, and I have a feeling that I might take it just a little bit too far channeling my inner Michael. Well, I don't think it'll be too far just because why not? <laughs> <laughs> why not? Why not? Absolutely. Why not have fun That's with the it? question. Yeah. <laughs> Including why not? There are a bajillion different kinds of ways that people can be in contact with each other. And sometimes it's overwhelming if you've got people on this chat hub and that chat hub, and you're trying to have multiple different conversations all over the place, it seems you have found a way to condense them into one application and still keep up with everybody. This is true. So this is something I experimented with some years back, stopped using it for reasons, don't remember exactly what, but recently decided to go back to using a multi-chat client. And I have been actually since before August 5th, I wrote on August 5th, but that's when we did the show on the Linux Saloon we talked about multi-chat clients, but I'd been using it for about a week before that. So since late July, I've been using a multi-chat client. So there we go. I would say I've had pretty good success with the whole thing. I've ended up using it with more things over the course of the month. And I'm not as happy with the Telegram. Basically, these are all web clients. So the, the Telegram one is a little bit iffy. I mean, it works fine. It just it doesn't have some of the automatic features that I like in the actual client. The Matrix client, perfect. Discord is basically perfect. It's actually way better than the actual client because it doesn't require me to update it and then bang my head against the wall and 
and yell at the computer. So it's a great way of dealing with Discord where I can actually be on Discord now reliably. I have two SMS phone lines. Those are both on there. One's for work, one's for personal. I stay in contact with some of the family using a, a chat client called GroupMe. So I use that. Try not to vomit in your mouth, but I do use Facebook Messenger to keep in contact with people. But there's just some people just around the world that that's just, that's all they use. And also put in Mastodon so I can actually stand top of Mastodon as well. And that, it's a pretty good experience with Mastodon in there, I would say. I tried Twitter or X, whatever you want to call it. And Twitter's just better on a regular web page. It's, it's a better experience there. So it's easier to stand Mastodon now because you know, largely it's been kind of quiet. I like to check it periodically. Another um, social network called Minds, I have that on there. You know, Steam has got the chat client. So I have that. I can chat, have that in there as well. LinkedIn, try not to vomit for that one as well. But you know, I some people, I only want to talk in LinkedIn. Then also, so some non-chat things, but Simple Note, I put that in there. Mostly because the app is just kind of weird. The way it is kind of slow the way it starts up, even with the flat pack or the native package, it doesn't really matter. But if I use it in Ferdium, I should say, you know, all this whole time I didn't talk about it. This is multi-chat clients called Ferdium. There we go. Ferdium. All right. So Ferdium does a really good job of handling the uh, simple note. So I, it's always there. I can always go to those notes very quickly. It's, it's, and they're it's just notes I share with my phone, basically. I get the text digital forum, the OpenSUSE forum, the framework forum, and then something for school called ProCare. So my kids... I can stay in contact with their teachers and whatnot through this thing called ProCare. So then you like announcements or notes, I go home. That's how you get it. So everything is right there. I can just click, 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 click right down the line. And could I use a browser instead? Yes. Yes, I could. The browser is more general. This is more specific. And so it's just good for like my high priority things. Instead of having a bunch of tabs in the top of all these different little things that I have, I use Ferdium, which I guess I could have used any number of things. You could use you know, Google Chrome or Chromium or Microsoft Edge, a specific profile or even Firefox. But this is just really convenient. Nice it is about how they have everything along the side and the notifications and everything. So it just, it just works really nice. And it has a little system tray integration as well. So I can see, you know, I can just click on it and then it opens up. So a lot of little things, it works really well. Ferdium is probably the, of all the multi-chat clients I've tried, it's the one that works the best for me. It's totally open source. There's no subscriptions uh, with it. And there's not even a way to support it right now, but I wish there was. Mm. But outside of that, it's great. I really enjoy how it's improved my communication with people. A lot more efficient. I don't, less things get lost. Things still get lost. Don't get me wrong here. Fewer things get lost. So that's why I like it. What is it like onboarding all of these different kinds of chat interfaces? Because there's a big difference between, say, the text digital form and Discord. That's kind of crazy. It's no more complicated than logging into the website version of it. Oh, so okay. essentially I just add a service or whatever, and then, and then I put that in there. What's also really cool is you can actually set up workspaces here too. If I want just Linux stuff, if just Linux workspaces will be shown. If I want, let's say just work things, I can have all the work things in there. I could put teams in here too, if I wanted. So, we, you know, just the different things there. Yeah. And then I can also have a, you know, just the forums, whatever you can use different, different workspaces. I don't have so much that it's it's irritating. So I just have all the workspaces showing at all times. And that actually has been working very well for me. So yeah, I can see pretty much everything. Because one of the things like I've been communicating a lot on the OpenSUSE forums because I've been doing some bug stomping out activities. And it's been really nice. I can just quickly check my notifications on there real quick. I don't have to like navigate to the page. It's just always there. So it's kind of like having tabs, but just like the tabs that I want. That's really what it boils down to. Very interesting. I might go ahead and check this out. I really don't 
jump onto very many different social media platforms at all, or even tech stuff. I do have some family that only talks in Facebook Messenger, but I told them I won't use it. So if you want to get a hold of me, you can give me a call or send me a text message because that's the tried and true way to do it because I refuse to use it. But uh, I know that in some cases, that's just not an option. So that would be Mm -hmm. a great way to be able to access it. And like you said, if you have it in a bunch of different tabs and that gets closed down by accident or, you know, something happens to it, then you got to reopen all of those tabs. That can be kind of a pain in the butt. But having it all inside one application, one container, essentially, that's Mm -hmm. made for that then you don't have to worry about that. And I do like the idea of the different workspaces. So if you are someone that gets easily distracted by maybe some of the personal messages during your work hours, it could be just the work stuff that's showing. And then you can go to the personal stuff later. That's really handy. I think I'll take a look at it. Not that I'm necessarily going to install it, but I think it's a very interesting idea. One of those things that I didn't think I would like it as much, like I, was, I thought I would try it again. I wasn't sure how much I'd like it. And then I'm like, well, this actually made my life a lot better because, you know, things have changed. Right. I got some feedback from um, someone who's new to Linux Saloon, this guy, Brian. He, I know he listens to Linux out loud. So, hey, Brian. Hi. He actually told me that he really likes Ferdium also. And he like recently told me. So that was, was good to know that somebody else is able to benefit now from my uh, digital wanderings, as it were. So... <laughs> Yeah, it's really interesting. I'm looking at their website and I thought it said, oh, yeah, there's some screenshots. Okay. GitHub actually has some screenshots of the application in use. The big thing for me was I needed a solution for Discord. That was my big headache because Discord is so, they work so hard to be irritating. This kind of smoothed that out for me. Solves that headache. Yeah, I know that there's multiple times then we were supposed to be getting together for show-related stuff and nope, can't use Discord because it says you have to update it and it hasn't been updated in the repo. So you got to head over to the web version anyway in Mm -hmm. order to make it work. I'm curious how they get around that inside the app. I guess they get around that because it's always the web client. So it's always up to date because it's updated on the backend servers and you're getting the newest version of web client regardless. That is a nice way to solve that. It is. The thing is, is you lose some functionality. Like there's some hardware acceleration features that don't work in the web client. Gotcha. No features I care about because I'm not a serious Discord user because if I were, I'd probably want to hurt myself. (laughs) And I just want to use it for chatting. And then you can still do video conferencing with it. I am never going to stream a game on Discord. The likelihood, I should say, is extremely, extremely small. Even if I did, if I wanted to stream something, I have enough horsepower that I can deal with that without it. Yeah. I just don't care enough, I guess, is really it. So first thing is I have streamed games on Discord. And last time I did was actually in the patron room mm-hmm. on Discord, but nobody was around. So I will do that again at some point. And if you're around, you can jump in and oh, chat yeah. with me as I'm playing Phasmo and all of that fun stuff. And then two... Because this is a browser-heavy application, what does that do to your RAM usage? The computer I'm running on has 64 gigabytes of RAM, so I don't care. Right now, (laughs) my computer only has 32, and I'm realizing that that isn't enough. I need to upgrade to 64, 
And thankfully, I think RAM prices have come down so I can make that possible. But between doing stuff like this right now, where we are using a web browser client in order to record the show, and it is keeping some of that stuff in RAM as it is going to the different places that it needs to be. And then as I am doing the video editing and some other stuff, I just see that my RAM usage is ticking up fairly high. And while I'm not on a regular basis, even at half, it bothers me when I'm at 30% RAM. I just don't want to see that level of RAM usage. Like right now, I'm at 30.9%. So I'm 9.7 gigs used at the moment. And I would just like to have a bigger buffer. So I know a RAM upgrade is necessary for me in the future as I move forward. So for you, it doesn't seem to be a big deal with this application, but I think at this point for me, it might hurt a little bit. Yeah. According to the system monitor and Plasma, I'm using 19 gigabytes of RAM. I'm running obviously that plus Firefox. Mm -hmm. I've got Bitwarden up right now on it. Microsoft Teams, I have Outlook running, Edge browser, yeah. also Audacity is running, and then uh, Sync Thing, of course. So yeah. it's doing a lot, and I don't feel like my memory pressure is there. If I get like at 50%, I'm okay with 50%. If I'm peaking closer to like 75, that's when I get a little nervous. I do on this machine now. Sometimes hit that 75% poster. RAM usage. I do, but that's when I'm doing a lot of like pretty heavy things and it's pretty rare still. Yeah. But again, I only have 32 gigabytes on my Commodore 64 imposter. I think I need to rectify that because it should be 64 <laughs> in the 64. should be 64. Yeah, yeah I think be. on my working systems right now, it's going to be a minimum of 64 gigs of RAM. And maybe eventually I will hit that over 100. I think that would be... I don't know why I need that right now, but I think definitely... 64 is getting to be a must. And I have multiple tabs open, plus that I don't have as much running. Core control does take a little bit of RAM, but really not too much. Right now, I do have KDE Connect that's automatically popping up, and I need to uninstall that because I don't actually use KDE Connect, so I don't want it taking in that little bit of RAM there. I'll play with it. I know we got a bit off topic down the RAM rabbit hole, but of course that's tend to happen when you're talking about stuff that uses browser tabs, right? I don't recall a show where we stayed on topic. Very true. Very true. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess that means it's time for you to toss in your two cents on today's topics. Hit that discourse form, drop us a line under this video or on the contact form by visiting tuxdigital.com slash contact. If you'd like to hang out with us on our preferred social media, which I guess is all of them now for me, see the links at the bottom of the show description. Find other great shows like Fit and Fuel, Destination Linux, and Linux Loon, and more at tuxdigital.com. Show off your love for your favorite podcast and shows by visiting the Tux Digital merch store. Grab yourself some awesome swag like the gamer-centric I pause in the game to be here shirt, or join hashtag Team Wendy with some sinister Wendy swag. As always, we thank you for joining us. We'll be back next time with another awesome episode of Linux Out Loud. Until then, keep the banter friendly, conversation somewhat on topic. I mean, if you feel like it and have fun doing it. You know, I think that's why Matt didn't make it this week. He forgot to pause his game. <laughs> I guarantee it. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he's done yet. Let me check Steam. Yeah, check it. See if he's still on there. Hey.